Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Bronson likes the groundlings? Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, Volume 2, Hail. And that's what we've been calling you lately. We mm-hmm. you just Ever since the new book came out, we've just been calling you Volume 2. Because that's right, people. This is the Canon Canon, the podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of their amazing output and some of their ridiculous output. And people, you knew this was coming. If you are a Canon fan, you had to have known we had to get our boy back in here. Because if you are uh, uh, got your head completely up your own butt and you somehow don't know, people, you have got to get the Canon Film Guide Volume 2, 1985 to 1987 because it is out now. We have been waiting for this and you have been waiting for us to talk to Austin Trunick. Austin. Hey, hey, thanks for having me back. Of course. course. Welcome back. Uh, You are our, you're in the elite uh, because this is your third time on. Uh, You're up there with Noah Segan. So think about that Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for guest amounts uh, because we've had you on for Tough Guys Don't Dance and to interview for the volume one. And now, yeah, we are here to talk about volume two, which as we talked about right before it started, what a heavy book. (laughs) Oh That's my why God. That's why you call me volume two as well, because I'm heavier. Yeah. I'm bigger. Uh, we've been trying yeah. to shame uh, Frank into. <laughs> we got that pandemic <laughs> weight. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the freshman pandemic 15. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Austin, uh, first off, thank you for being here. Uh, and second off, uh, what a crazily long book you wrote here. <laughs> Congratulations, too. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Because incredibly long, but also so far, incredibly amazing. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you guys. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, but yeah, so this is, tell us a little bit about the volume two here. Well, volume two, I I was very alarmed by how large this this book grew as I was <laughs> assembling it. I, when I'm doing my research and my writing, it's all in so many different fi- uh, word files on my desktop spread out in different folders and then start transcribing interviews and putting them in there and once i started assembling it into one file to send off to the publisher to put together i started looking at the word count creep up and up and up and when you're hitting 230,000 words 240,000 250,000 i'm like oh my goodness i'm i'm getting longer than lord of the rings books at this at this <laughs> point so yeah, uh, we've been just calling you Stephen King around here because it's like, <laughs> what is going on with these page counts? <laughs> yeah, when I my I when I finally got it in, my wife's first reaction was, "That's one book," like because it was just sitting on our coffee table. I was like, "Yeah, get ready to have this thing being around our house the whole time," because uh, it's almost a thousand. Is that what I think? Yeah, like yeah, and uh, it, I mean, it weighs three pounds the the paperback, which is nuts. <laughs> And it only really covers three... media mail to the limits. Yes, yes, it's one one pound per year of a canon. Wow, that is a fucking tag line <laughs> and a half. 
Yeah. A- a- Canon needs at least one pound a year. It's <laughs> <laughs> what they deserve. Um, so yeah, this is, so this is covering what years again? This is 85 to 87. Yeah. And those were really the peak years of Canon, both their production and really the size of their movies, the budgets that they spent on them mm-hmm. in, in both terms. So there, I mean, a lot of the big movies are, are covered in here for that reason, because this is when Canon, we really had, had some money to spend and yeah. they did spend it in kind of wild wacky ways <laughs> <laughs> right. we're, we're always speculating that 86 was the most like prolific year for canon is that true what what were the most films released by canon in 86 or was that uh does that go to another that's year? that's absolutely true uh i as far as the actual uh number of films i believe that's i'm pretty sure that's correct that's the biggest production slate they had yeah, um, they very famously at Cannes that year announced they had a sixty-page spread of oh eighty-six is Cannes year too. Yeah, that that's <laughs> wow. the big infamous uh, year at Cannes where they just threw everything at the wall and took the whole place over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so eighty-six, it's really the it, like the tentpole year. You can look at how Cannon's their success is going, how you know what, how ambitious they can be. And you can really see it hit its peak in the summer of '86, and then plummet. One of the one of the figures that I love for '86 is there are a lot of articles, and Canon was really big on when anything was going well, they would trumpet it as much as they could with press releases and puff pieces and and uh, advertorials in in different magazines saying how successful they are. But in March of '86, there were articles about them having a three hundred thousand dollar line of credits because investors believed them. They had a giant stock sale wow. at that point. That's You could produce a lot of 5 to $10 million Chuck Norris and American Ninja sequels <laughs> yeah. for that much. But they spent that money. Mostly they blew it on theater chains and production spaces in the UK. <laughs> By August of 86, they were $100, $100 million in debt. Oh. And under investigation by the SEC. So you can just wow. sort of see that 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 peak right in the can 86 can film festival. And then everything just starts spiraling suddenly and plummeting out of control at that point. That's the that's the point where the engines failed on that air, that cannon airplane. Oh, right. I'm trying to think, didn't we just or was it assassination that came up in Austin? You would probably know this. The movie that was like that creditors were like, you can't have more than one in production because it's just like you screwed the pooch so much like <laughs> right. we're not allowing this anymore was it assassination am i right on yeah, that? yeah assassination they had to shuffle a lot of schedules at that point especially with their domestic productions because they could be right. more closely monitored if they want to shoot something italy or tel aviv or something they most they could get away with it because they weren't yeah. being monitored so they could wiggle around that sort of that role but yeah for a while because they were in such financial trouble, they could only have one movie going at a time. But fortunately for them, they shot them so fast, they could shuffle schedules around. <laughs> but Assassination's a movie that, of a few that were filmed in the summer of 86, where they had to issue this this mandate. like you, They had to start paying back some of this money, this all this debt they had, <laughs> and literally started just ripping pages out of scripts. And Assassination's one where there was this big spectacular ending with a plane crash and all sorts of 
uh, crazy action. And I know you in, on, on, your, on your episode, you mentioned there's they make allusions to Jill Ireland's character knowing karate and it never right. comes up. And it would have <laughs> right. come up had they shot right. the ending. You could have seen her actually kick, you know, kick some ass in there. But, right. Nice. But they versus the pay- total fart of an ending that kind of <laughs> is assassination. And they had money for Nancy Reagan to make her cameo. That is true. They got it. That one point, Nancy was going to show up. They had. They were in talks. Just say no to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, do this is uh, just thinking about this with their finances around this time because that's you know what this. As you're saying, too, this book is kind of uh, an amazing, like, when, again, when my wife was like, that's only one book, and I was like, yeah, it's only 85 to 87, too. Like, that's like, it, they, it's a humongous, like, quick rise and fall. Uh, and, and it's also to say for 86, especially, like, when, when, you know, Frank and I have, like, a guest who doesn't really know much about canon, I think it's like one of the like couple of like tent poles of like when we're like use it to describe them. We're like, and then there's this year where they had like 40 movies and they're all over God and then they blew it. But in any of your uh, kind of interviews or research about this, I guess I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, at times in my life when I've been like worried about money. And I know I'm not talking about like a film production company, but I remember having like a friend be like, if you're going to go bankrupt, you're going to notice it's going to happen. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, oh, no, it's all gone. Like, that's not how economics work in, like, personal finances, unless you've got your, again, your head is so far up your own butt. Do you think or did you get any inkling that at the very least, like, Globus knew? And, I mean, uh, like, uh, that Yoram knew? And I imagine... Menachem would just be like, no, fuck it. Like, you get me what I need. Do you think they saw the writing on the wall? Or at least he did? At least Yoram did? I think they were worried, but they were okay. able to keep it going for right. for a while after this. They had some helpful bailouts from Warner Brothers was a big one who came in and right. gave them a bunch of money and took the rights to a bunch of things that upcoming productions and older productions that were already in the can but yeah, at, at that point, I the impression that I get is that, especially in 1986, when you're juggling dozens of movies at once, I think that was just one thing that was going on sort of in the background. Oh, we don't have any money to get these. How do we get money? What, where can we pull the money from? Where can we, right. what, uh, what, debt, what debts can we go and call back and get paid Menachem's for? Menachem's not going to get distracted. If he's too busy, like being like, "Hey, shoot American Ninja!" Oh, there's no ninja in it. Let's just make it Invasion USA, and that will be one of our big movies of all time. Like he's just like push, 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 push. I would imagine. Yeah, at that point, they were just juggling so many, there's so many things up in the air that I, <laughs> I don't think they had time to get scared. Um, they they managed to find <laughs> the money and sell the rights and right. They were able to keep it going, uh, but then again, you do have those productions, especially in in the summer of '86 and then late 1986, where they were really starting to worry. the the sto- The production of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is something that sort of ties into that because that's a movie that 
that Toby was, it wasn't going to direct. He was just going to produce, but they couldn't get mm-hmm. the director lined up in time. But Canon had already promised it to theaters. They'd sold it to all these people. That was going to be out <laughs> the first weekend of August, 1986. So you're looking at January. They need to start writing a script. Uh, they start <laughs> casting, start putting things together in like March, April. May they start shooting. The final oh script is dated June 28th, 1986. Oh my God. <laughs> shooting wrapped on the 4th of July, you know, overnight on the 4th of July. And the movie was in theaters August, the first wow. weekend of August, 1986. And that was just because Canon was like, we can't afford to pay the fines. So they sent their goons to go and sort of ride ride Toby's ass and make sure this this movie got churned out on time. This movie that they were writing as they went and shooting almost around the clock. <laughs> Poor Crave Jeans. Just <laughs> Crave Jeans Hooper just trying desperately to just get his nut off while he <laughs> doesn't want to make a movie. Man, I mean that it it is amazing too that like you say all that and like obviously like you cover them, we cover them every week, and I, I, I still just don't wrap my brain around how quickly some of these huge movies, the ones we think of as like, this is their gold standard, were just like shit through, <laughs> like yeah. just to get to just that done end in goal. a month and then out. Yeah. yeah, we need to stop using the uh, uh, we need to stop using the Lauren Michaels uh, SNL doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on right. because it's eleven twenty five. It's like uh, 25. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it, yeah. Uh, we got to say, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 doesn't get released because it's perfect. It gets right. released because uh, Madaka and Yoram are going to get screwed over if they don't get in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Was oh, there man. kind of tying into that because of all the productions and they had to kind of slow it down? In this time period that you're covering of 85 to 87, was there in your research? Were there any movies that you saw would have been made by canon that you were like, oh, that would have been cool to see, but didn't get produced or made? (laughs) There there are so many movies. That's actually something that, not to to talk too much about the third book uh, this far in advance, (laughs) because there's so much work to be done, but I've been doing a lot of research into the- Exclusies. Yeah, 150 (laughs) plus movies that's- Canon advertised or announced or mocked up posters for, talked about in the press. 150? And counting. That's the, Those are just ones that I have <laughs> no. evidence of. You just keep of. finding them. <laughs> I've got posters, like the mocked up like advertisements or the mini posters for probably at least 100 of them at this point. Uh, just through various tr- trade ads and things like that, which is, which is wild. But there are so many, so many during that time. I mean, the some of the big ones if i'm thinking of it you had the the michael winter captain america movie which <laughs> right. would have been incredible Ooh. yeah spider-man the the toby hooper then joe zito and then albert Pugh and spider-man projects that all fell apart mm-hmm. um la brava with dustin hoffman was gonna be a great one they had they had uh three movies with al pacino in the works wow. <laughs> none of them came through um gosh one of my favorite ones that I know very little about that I'm trying to chase down whatever info I can get on it at this point is while they were working with uh, Mattel on Masters Universe, they had been also putting out sort of ideas of making a Barbie movie, sort of like preliminary talks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and a Golden and Globus Barbie movie. And it's just, so, something I love is 
it wasn't going to take place in Barbie's world. There wasn't going to be oh boy. about Barbie and Ken. It was would have been it would have followed an unpopular high school girl or middle school girl. I'm not sure, but she would have a Barbie in her backpack that would come to life. Oh boy! When she took it out, and this girl would teach her how to be popular in '80s '80s high school. This so wow. I, I don't know who they would have cast as. Alternate title, yeah. definitely not problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it would have Handled been Tiffany well. that they uh, they yeah. cast. Tiffany or Debbie Gibson? Yeah, <laughs> get one of them in there. <laughs> that also would be the amazing move that they would cast Tiffany, but keep her red hair, and be right. like, "You mean like the one thing you kind of need is blonde hair for Barbie?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> go nuts, Golden Globus. <laughs> Did any of I know we did like on our Patreon uh uh for like that there's that 14 minute one we found of trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh there are a couple in there that had no titles. Do you know if like I think there's a John Travolta one? Mm-hmm. Do you know if that ever got a title or if John Travolta was ever actually involved at any point? I have. Let me find what I've got for oh, you here perfect. as far Sookie, as materials. Yeah. I feel like a prop comic. People, yeah. Poor people can't uh, not listen to me. But the, the, one uh, of the-, the Gallagher of canon films over here. <laughs> <laughs> we have tarps. There were at least two uh, John Travolta projects they were working on. One was uh, Born Yesterday, um, which John Travolta was going to replace Walter Matthau for a while. And he was going to star with Whoopi Goldberg. And then <laughs> wait, what? Clearly, age wasn't a problem for that role. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find it here. But another one was called Crack, and it would have been John Travolta, another cop team up movie with uh, Rebecca De Mornay, oh. which oh. never, never happened. But yeah, the clearly was it handling crack. It would have been about yeah, about the crack, crack epidemic. Yes, oh, but a comedy, <laughs> a, a buddy comedy version. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a talking dinosaur in it for no reason. But in that in that same uh, video, that was I believe American the American film market reel that you guys covered from '86. Mm-hmm. So that would have been shortly before the can. So a lot of these things were in the same part of their gigantic can spread. But um, and there was the un- untitled Roman Polanski project. And right. Oh boy. They just oh show right because you chipped it because I was like oh, we were like oh is this pirates and you're like no 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 <laughs> yeah that was them. Uh, as part of them coming in, sort of bailing out for uh, pirates, uh, this thing that every other production, every, every other studio had abandoned them on, they got Polanski to promise they would make a movie. And I think Cannon's hope was at that point, they were working to get the rights to the two Jakes. Oh. And they wanted Polanski to, obviously, Polanski to shoot the sequel to Chinatown for Cannon. That would have been their dream. But I think Polanski's like, yeah, yeah, if you if you actually put out pirates, nobody else will. I'll make a movie for you. I'll make a movie for you. Go ahead and advertise it. And he just never gave them a script or concept or anything. So <laughs> as they advertise it, it's just a Roman Polanski film. That's It's that in the AFM reel. It's that in all of the trade ads. It's just a photo of Roman Polanski with a big Canon logo over his head, which is <laughs> pretty wild. But here we go. We have Crack starring... <laughs> John Travolta and Rebecca De Mornay. I uh, love, love that it really, if it really is about the crack epidemic, that they also took it literally in the font to put <laughs> a crack 
like so you're like wait is it not about the drug like what exactly (laughs) i guess you know what i'm assuming it's about the cracking of john travolta as he tries to deal with the overwhelmingness of the crack epidemic so what's what's wild in this is it is a comedy and it is oh it really is a comedy oh Oh, yeah buddy jesus christ so but travolta would have played the level-headed you know the 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 straight man and while rebecca de mornay would have been the uh loose cannon like rookie cop which would have been (laughs) super interesting yeah wow wow i'd be down for that yeah yeah there there were so many uh wild wild ones during that time the yellow jersey is another one that canon had wanted to do a movie about the tour de france and for a while dustin hoffman wanted to do it and then when Dustin Hoffman dropped out, they had talked to uh, some other people were had, were attached at different times. Finally, it was, gosh, uh, the hero from Highlander, the actor. Uh, oh, Christopher uh, yes, Lambert. Lambert, yes, yes. So they went from Dustin Hoffman to Christopher Lambert, and they actually went and Cannon sent a crew to shoot the Tour de France that year, and they just ran out of money. They never never had the money to actually make the the rest of the film, but. They... I gotta say, I can see Lambert in that more than Dustin, honestly. <laughs> right. Like it's like I know star power, but like it more does European, feel yeah. yeah, it just does feel more like he would have starred in that. I actually feel really, really uh bad that I haven't mentioned this already, because I came across it not too long ago. A movie that I think had it been made might have been Jeff, your fave, your ultimate canon movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is it? <laughs> the Mummy of Beverly Hills. What? <laughs> and it would have they they had offered the role to Phil Collins. Get out of oh, here! Wow. Yeah, he would have played the mummy God. or the guy who discovers the mummy. I don't know. I don't have a script for oh. it, but I know he it was a could play that... both wonderfully, Frank. All right. I guess. Oh, it's like one of those double. The yeah, they, they plays both parts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be like double Starring impact. Phil Collins and yeah, Phil, Phil Collins. Yeah, so Phil Collins. Yeah, and it's an erotic thriller. <laughs> <laughs> the story I know behind that is it was. Um, Martin Zweibeck, the the writer of Grace Quigley, a a movie that <laughs> you guys are going to get to at some point. It's yeah, mm-hmm. it's a crazy, crazy canon film starring Catherine Hepburn and Nick Nolte. Uh, who Shows up a, in the background of Death Wish for the crackdown <laughs> in the video store. <laughs> yeah, they go on a, a on a on a rampage, killing old people. <laughs> there, but yeah, so it was his script that he sold to Canon along with the Grace Quig when they brought the Grace Quigley project, and. Cannon offered it to Phil Collins after seeing him in an episode of Miami Vice. <laughs> right. Okay, yep. Yep. So that it's, is... he <sighs> he said the script was terrible. There's a there's a um <laughs> interview with him from eighty six or eighty seven talking about how the worst he's been offered all these roles and one of the worst ones was the script called The Mem- Mummy of Beverly Hills. But wow. that was a canon project. So there was almost a <sighs> canon horror comedy starring Phil Collins had the stars aligned. That episode wow. would have been so long, Frank. I oh, would have I sent us down too many tangents. It would have I been know. like four hours. Oh, my God. It's like. Can you believe I found a mummy? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yes, living in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, that is a dream. Because, I, I mean, yes, I would I take all the fill I can get. Um, I, you, you mentioned <laughs> Polanski there. Uh, you know, a section of uh, you've got a kind of short section in the book um, uh, that I still haven't get to because, again, it is just such a dense book in the best way possible. And like I want to like 
honestly give each chapter like enough time. Like, cause I tell you, if you just read them like in a row, you're just like, whoa, that's a lot of, a lot of canon. But you do have a section on, uh, uh, basically actual canon, but could have been a canons. Like your, your kind of middle chapter, <laughs> which also has one of my favorite Newsweek covers mm-hmm. with Golden and Globus wearing their suits. I'm like, I got to get a hold of a copy of this. But yeah, you you kind of talk about, uh, you know, the uh, pirates over the, t- or not over top, Cobra. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, ones that because we're lazy, we have just said, eh, they're canons, just deal with it. Um, but yeah, like what was the kind of, like, it, it, what's the kind of crux of that chapter? Like what are the, what's the connection in there? Well, so the biggest thing I feared is that, people will pick this book cover or would be disappointed that certain films weren't covered. But mm-hmm. back when I started this project, I had to sort of draw a line and I wanted to work solely with movies that were produced by Golden Globus or they had a heavy hand in shaping or changing or recutting or things like that. And there are so many movies that were released with Canon logos in one form or another. There's, um, so I did. I I really just had to. I had to draw a line somewhere, but that also meant cutting out some movies that I absolutely love, and mm-hmm. I I do associate with canon. I feel like they are canon films, but again, it's the difference between covering a hundred and some movies over the course of these books and right. cover, trying having to cover four hundred to five hundred movies, which when you get to the larger catalog. So some of the movies that I had to sort of lump in there, I write a lot about Cobra in the over the top chapter because those, those two movies are very linked, but Cobra was largely produced at Warner brothers. And they, one of the big things is Canon promised Sylvester Stallone, $12 million to make over the top, made him the highest paid actor in Hollywood for a very brief period of time. But that's not the type of money that Canon has sitting around. They gave they haven't gave him five hundred grand, and then started once they had his his signature and made all these big announcements. This exclusive contract with Sylvester Stallone. They spent the next two years trying to drum up the money, and a lot of places, even though Canon was very good at getting drumming up like ten million dollars for a Chuck Bronson movie or something like that, trying to get thirty million dollars to make a Sylvester Stallone, arm wrestling, truck driving, road trip, <laughs> father son bonding film was much harder for them to do because they needed the twelve million for Stallone and they needed more money to actually um, make the film. Mm-hmm. Even with all the uh, product placement they were able to squeeze into that movie, they still <laughs> could not afford it. So, so much brute, you know, you can only get so much brute in there. Yeah, yeah, Valvoline. Yeah. So something that. Canon had to do when they were kind of part of their Warner Brothers bailout that kept them alive through 86 and into 87 is Warner Brothers is let's we'll give you we'll give you this money for these things we want these movies we want to distribute over the top we'll help you with Superman 4 and we'll pay for pay for these things but you have to push this over the top back and let us around Stallone's exclusive so we can shoot Cobra and Canon, you know, Golden Globus, the kind of, yeah, you know, we, we've been advertising for two years that we have this exclusive coming up that he's only going to make his movie with Canon. And so that's, they got, they got, that's where they get the credits on there. Oh, so, ah. 
Um, and it's again, it's like a, a movie I absolutely adore. I've always associated with canon, and I, I mean, I still to this day cut my cut my scissors, uh, cut my pizza with scissors, just of course, <laughs> out of respect. It's the only way to eat it. But it's it's a movie that, outside of the 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 credit that they get on it as executive producers that Golden Globe has had little <laughs> little right. contact with, but it it. So that's again another movie. Another movie I love is Highlander, which is covered in that chapter. And right. that it's a movie that it got the Canon logo on the video release and in some of the foreign releases, um, because Canon bought Thorny MI and this gigantic catalog of films. But uh Highlander had already been released in the US before without Perfect. the Canon logo with the Fox logo on it, uh, by the point that they bought Thorny MI. So it's one of those ones that they distributed it. That's right. even though that it'll end up on everybody's list of the top canon films. Sure. So it's just I, I these are movies I love, and I wanted an excuse to talk about, but also, I, I your book would be comically large. Yeah. Like I don't even think like the glue would hold. Like if you got to all those, right? Like, it makes sense. And for you, Godspeed. I realize like I would love to read. You know, I think me and Frank would both love to read a chapter on pirates. But also, Godspeed, you didn't have to, like, hunt down people and then be like, yeah, like, so tell me about your fucked up experience on this fucked up movie, basically. Because that's all it would be. It would just be like every aspect of this was terrible and made the worst movie that's ever existed. Yeah. Oh, and any as little as I have to write about Roman Polanski, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the better. But one of my one of my favorite anecdotes I I read a little bit about it in this chapter, but about pirates is canon, a, a large reason behind their finally acquiring it, finally giving them the money to finish the film is they got the boat. They wanted the boat that pirates was filmed on because they were working on a, a, a TV series, a swashbuckling TV series called the Seahawk. <laughs> and canon's thought is, well, we'll pay, we'll buy pirates. We'll distribute it. And at least like that some of our costs will be sunk because we have a boat. We don't need to build a boat for this other project we're working on. And right. I mean, unfortunately, like that still resulted in pirates being released upon unleashed upon the world. And, <laughs> yes. and we never got their TV series, but they got their boat that I think that, you know, after Kaplansky was done, he was probably just planning on like sinking it and wherever it was and out in France. <laughs> Yeah, where is this boat now? Does it still exist? Is it like, is it like that Popeye set that <laughs> yeah. has become like a theme park? It's a Joe's Crab Shack now. <laughs> I, I I wish I knew. The last last I knew of it physically existing is at Cannes in 1986. They are there in that same Newsweek uh, magazine. The uh, big article on Golden Globus has a photo of them with um, Placido Domingo. The two of them posed with him in front of the pirates, like pirate ship. As a, so they did 20 get a... years from now, we're going to be old men <laughs> and the three of us are going to be eating at a Bubba Gump shrimp company. <laughs> and we're going to look around and we're like, I think this was the Wait ship. A minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or the, the history channel is going to do one of those shows where they send the things down <laughs> thinking they found a pirate ship. And oh yeah. <laughs> it'll just be the, the ship from pirates. <laughs> oh my God. Damn it. That worst movie ever. Uh, just thinking about also those accus accusations. Oh, that's because I've got fucking <laughs> pirates on the brain. That monster yep, of a movie. Yep. The, all of the acquisitions 
that not that you have to kind of like list them up, but you know, like as we've been, uh, you know, getting further in, uh, we've kind of talked about how we've also done some like branching out into the kind of acquisitions and like, especially like HBO canon. And you, you mentioned it, uh, before that, especially in this period, they were buying movie chains and this and that, like, Again, not that you have to kind of like list them all off, but besides films, but also I guess with films and uh, distributed like sections in different countries, like what were the main acquisitions of canon during this time? Mostly to also give us more episodes down the line so we could be like, <laughs> yeah, of course we can cover Rambo First Blood Part 2. What are you talking about? That's mm-hmm. canon. I can find you a trailer. They shove the <laughs> logo on at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, they bought up rights usually if there was something that wasn't exploited somewhere so you have movies that were released in just in can't by canon in germany which are you know big big films you have rambo films and stallone films and schwarzenegger you have uh raw deal terminator right yeah and but the big ones in the u.s are mainly the hbo canon which you would see i would see on the video store shelves i remember my copy of the uh Evil Dead at my store growing up was an HBO canon release, and wow. yeah, which is just wild. Uh, they, so they had such a large catalog catalog of films, and for me, it's even it's staggering to think about. I even before the acquisition of Thorny MI in '86, they had the entire the catalogs from. Canon before they existed, all these foreign films, all these exploitation films. I have just for example, I'll, for anybody who's listening, I will post this when this episode airs online, and we'll, we can we can all take a look at it. But this is just an eighty-five Canon catalog right here. Oh, oh wow! And That's a grail you look right at these there. pages, <laughs> nineteen eighty-five. This is before the big acquisition, but there are eight movies uh, like per per page yeah they they go on you know four movies per page these spreads descriptions these posters exploitation films Uh. there's probably like 30 pages of porno films okay but yeah let's say four (laughs) that'll be for the extra patriot exclusive series right after dark yeah canon after dark (laughs) yeah oh island island of love the white whore and the bit players uh psycho girls (laughs) uh teenage dormitory the naked and the cruel i'm just reading a few of these off there's hard rock zombies uh oh one of my favorites secret of yolanda secret of yolanda uh but these it goes on and on i'm still flipping through this thing it's 170 pages and this is just a 1985 catalog so 170 (laughs) times four uh (laughs) yeah that's insane so if you wanted to look at every movie that had a what are we Canon doing with this podcast, Frank? We're never going to stop. We never <laughs> can never stop. Gonna, yeah, we're never going to get out. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably looking at 700 films probably at some point that you could potentially cover because they were released <laughs> with a Canon logo. Yes, uh, with diminishing listener results <laughs> with each one. Love it. <laughs> Yeah. And then they all, but they also got movie chains, right? Like, yes. was that yeah. what countries was that? Was that mostly was that London or, or I mean, yeah. in England or they already had owned a big, a large chain in the UK before the acquisition of Thorny MI, but that included Thorny MI catalog, both all their older British films and things like Highlander and um, Clockwise with John Cleese and Link, 
the uh killer killer uh chimp movie <laughs> but it, it kills me that that one is in it like that's one of like the video store boxes i can picture yeah or, yeah one of, of the most of canon that box is freaky oh certainly never saw it yeah no you, you've got going bananas instead if you want uh canon that's the second movies. one i mostly picture i mean i almost <laughs> oh, rented yeah. going bananas so many times but, uh, and then I ran to drop dead Fred again for the billionth time. I was like, <laughs> yeah, so this, but one of the things they acquired were the thornium I cinemas, which made Canon very, for this very brief period of time, the largest theater owner in the UK. And that's also why they right. got into things like the, uh, Canon movie tales, which are their, they wanted matinees They're They're like, we have nothing to show to children on like Saturday afternoon. So <laughs> Canon starts filming all of these very, very low budget children's films with like one celebrity in each one, one known <laughs> actor in like the same warehouse out in, out in Tel Aviv over the course of two years, just so they wouldn't have to show Disney re- like reissues, which is sure. what they, they're like, we have all these theaters. We need to show our own products on Saturday mornings. We need kids stuff. <laughs> and but yeah so that also included that the other big huge acquisition which is the cr- probably the craziest thing uh, they would they went on this the spending spree again they had 300 million dollars in march of 1986 thorny mi cost them 270 million of it all of the theaters all of the films and l street studios which is the studio where the star wars movies were shot rares of the lost ark life force was shot there um the Shining shot there. So it's this, if you're a company like Canon who makes these five, five to $10 million action movies, right? What do you need the largest, most high tech advanced studio? What do you need the studio where they shot empire strikes back? What are you going to do with that? Right. <laughs> they shot Superman four and three <laughs> kinds of heat there. And then and had it to, shows. Yeah, <laughs> had to sell it for gosh, like a huge, huge, huge loss a year later, right. just because they needed money and they didn't have product to shoot in it. They didn't, couldn't afford to shoot in their own facility. Wow, it's crazy to think like that. All like helps to like, especially with the '86 year. It's like sometimes I think like when if like people really think about Can, they'll be like, oh, well, whatever. It was just a small company and like they just kind of produce these dumb action films. And then it'd be like, wait, why do these prestige people get involved? And like we always, you know, like half joke that it's like it's everyone on the way out. But also, especially at that time, it's like uh in some it's like it's like dealing with like Miramax like in in like 96 like equivalent yeah. like because it's like you can't deny even if it's not true <laughs> even if like the money isn't as true as it seems that like it's like when everyone's like that show must be huge i see it everywhere or like this friend of ours must be doing great. I see their face everywhere. It's like, yeah, no, they just got a publicist that gets their face everywhere. Uh, uh, but because like it, like you can see why I don't want to say tricked, but why a lot of people would have been quote unquote tricked into being like, yeah, I'll go to Canon. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna be the next big thing if it isn't already. Mm-hmm. Like you know, until very quickly they showed that it wasn't gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look at the number of people who were getting in line to work with them in late 85, early 86, and then 
you can see them just running for the exits by yeah. by the, you that can summer. see why we heard Dustin Hoffman in La Brava <laughs> like so many yeah. times. Um, also, just thinking off of because this is something me and Frank have talked about with the movie theaters. Do you have any idea with the movie theaters, or did you ever get any? Did they like brand the hell out of that fucking thing? Oh, like, did they yeah. like? Put like, like, would you get like RC Cola in like a cannon cup? And like, I we also imagine that they just like put the cannon logo up before every trailer, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even if they didn't own it, to just be like, yeah, maybe they'll think we did it. Well, uh, I, I don't know about the cups. I, I hope you at least get a popcorn bowl, and I'm sure, I'm sure Canon printed the popcorn bowls with the, with the logos on them. But there's a great yeah. footage of, I believe, the royal premiere of. Gosh, ordeal by innocence with uh, <laughs> Faye Dunaway and Donald Sutherland, and the the Queen comes to this where it's footage of Menachem uh, Golani Yoram Globus shaking right. hands with the Queen. But what I love is that was one of the that was the flagship Canon theater at that point in London, and if you look at the carpet, the carpeting is this amazing red carpeting with the Canon logo patterned on it. Oh my god. And oh, I just what I would give for like just a square yes. <laughs> of that carpet. Have it framed on the wall, yeah. Yeah. I'd replace my fucking shining carpet with that. I'd like that's <laughs> if we can get that wall to wall, when I get stupid amounts of money at mm-hmm. some point, that's how I'm gonna waste it. I want someone to replicate the canon carpet to put down. <laughs> and I want someone to hand make what I imagine would be like the theater cartoon of just the canon logos dancing going let's all go to the lobby <laughs> like just three canon logos together with uh, holding just, grenade launchers and yes. ninja stars and yeah exactly <laughs> uh and some buttermilk uh in honor of bronson <laughs> um uh man yeah the the dream i think that's the thing is like the thing with can is like you can start to imagine around this time the things that they like, oh, what if they did this? What if they did this? And like, you know, nine times out of 10, they might have done it. <laughs> like, I know. Nothing really surprises me anymore with canon. You know, anytime you hear kind of something new being like, yeah, no matter yeah. how crazy it is. What Was there anything when you were doing research for this book that you were like, actually kind of like, oh, that's, surpri- that's surprising. Oh, gosh. Whew. Or was it pretty much more par, par for the course? That's, I mean, I, I, I'm at the same point where it's really hard to feel surprised, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are things that I had heard about a lot of, there, there are a lot of canon tales where I think, uh, Benakam especially was very good with his own, like self myth making and like building up these, the, these stories and you'd hear them afterwards. You weren't sure if they were true, but then you come across something you're like, I, I never believed it. One of the things is the uh, Menachem negotiating with Clyde the orangutan <laughs> to do what would have become, what eventually became going bananas, but originally was going to be a Bud Spencer and Clyde movie, my pal Clyde. And I was like, Oh no, like this isn't like, I had heard that like Menachem had not been able to work out a deal and basically blew the, blew the deal with Clyde the orangutan. And I didn't <laughs> think it was, I was like, no way that's, that's not true. Just, but it, but that it ended up, it was, which oh, is wow. which wow. is crazy. Which is part of the reason you get Aladdin, <laughs> uh, Super Fantangino, or ah, I'm, yeah, I'm butchering the Italian, but yeah, they had Bud Spencer in line to do this. You know, this 
children's orangutan movie with co-headlining with Clyde the orangutan. And they didn't work it out with Clyde. And so they still had him. He still had the time to do a movie in the, in the schedule, like in his like calendar. So Aladdin was something that they could sort of film in that same time, really throw together and get all these <laughs> Italian filmmakers who were used to working. He was fast, like, do right I have fast? to be sober? And they're like, don't worry no, about no, it. Don't worry about it. Yet. Yeah. Good. You drink as much as you want on set. <laughs> You're just watching your little kid get beat up all the time. It's cool. <laughs> but I just, yeah, it's that things like that, that I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this can't be true. And then you find out that, oh, it, it was. And it's like, oh my <laughs> <laughs> That, Did that, they? I, I was just thinking, just because it, we, it, you know, got to Italian there, and of course that's you know bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm like, I'm like, am I blanking? Is it maybe it's just the time? Did they ever do a western or like fuck around with the idea of like a western? So they did not. There's not a can- like an actual 80s. Like they're canon. connected to Pulpum. They're connected to like the like you know Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, like and they're connected to sci-fi Italian. Like they never completely did horror Italian completely. But that is the one shelf I in the video store. Like if you would have gone to a video store in 1988, that you would not have found a canon yeah. movie on and it would have been a significant mm-hmm. section i'm thinking of the western section at the stores i grew up with mm-hmm. but my 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 presumption is like they westerns were kind of a, not a great time right in the, the yeah. 80s in, in terms of popularity but shortly before they bought canon they had done golden globus had done two westerns they shot back to back almost very spaghetti western style except shot in israel and they're mm. um, God's Gun and uh, Kid Vengeance, and they okay. shared a lot of the same cast and crew, and they just they took a huge wash on those. They <laughs> those were yeah. not they. I think they, that Yoram had a had more trouble selling those than he they he thought they would, and they just never went back to that well. Yeah, I wonder if maybe just the Italian genre market also just like took over so much, like they kind of like nailed it so well mm-hmm. it was just like when i you know i thought about you coming on and then i was watching Campaneros the other day <laughs> like Corb, i've been on like a like watch the corbucci movies i've never watched and then i was just like oh yeah like thomas milan never like showed up like you know like uh and even you know fabio testi was gonna be and what movie was it that they said he had herpes? That was Bolero. Uh, Bolero, that's <laughs> it. Yes, Fabio Testi was going to be in that. And like, that's the thing. You'll see them dip in. Like Daria mm-hmm. shows up in Sinbad. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, because that was shot after we talked about that. <laughs> that it's just crazily put together as a movie. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting. Just like that. It's yeah, that maybe I, I don't know. It's interesting when their hubris doesn't stretch out to every genre <laughs> it's surprising western is the one that the the i think the largest gap where you, you could find canon anywhere you looked in the video store except there really <laughs> except yeah. in the western mm-hmm. section and so wild yeah um what uh it, well i now that i'm popping in my like we have to talk about it well we have much more to still talk about but i'm just thinking about we we kind of mentioned it before and we're half joking about it. It, it so 
you said surprising things, Frank, you're asking, but the thing that was the most surprising so far that I have read in your book <laughs> is Charles Bronson <laughs> on assassination <laughs> suggesting to... Um, John uh, Boyd. Yes, yes. Who also reached out to us on Instagram and was like, was so lovely. Like, yeah, she oh, was wow. just like, yeah, we had put up an assassination thing and uh, she put up a great, like, you know, little comment of just like, he was the best. They were, we were good friends. Mm-hmm. I miss him. And I think was like, <laughs> your Mimanakam were interesting. <laughs> like, <you know, laughs> it was like, all right, we got to talk to her. But yeah, in your interview, uh, you know, you mentioned that like she was like, oh, maybe I should be doing method act day, like work on it. And then Charles Bronson was like, no, you got to <laughs> check out the groundlings. <laughs> wow. I mean, I assume you were just as shocked as we yes. were when you heard that from her mouth. Is that anything that had come up before that no. he would know about? <laughs> not just improv, not just like, like, you know, fucking viola spolin or whatever like early like mm. books but is like got his finger a little bit in the la improv scene <laughs> yeah yeah that's something i wish i had i pried uh or asked asked uh jan to go into more because yeah it's it's wild to think that you you don't think he would be aware of that but clearly he was i don't know if he was going to see shows in out uh, when he was out in la or how he, he knew, have, yeah. but what a yeah. dream! Like I can't fat like think of anything I would have loved more than looking over and seeing Charles Bronson. Just with a little good, smirk, just a, yeah, just he <laughs> never laughs. Paul Rubens, yeah, yeah, he's getting got, giving suggestions for their uh, their short form games in between yeah. sketches. Pineapple, <laughs> stop saying pineapple, Mister Bronson. <laughs> Washing up for dinner. <laughs> Cold glass of buttermilk. <laughs> a meal justice. in between every fight. <laughs> yeah, justice. <laughs> you've recommend, you've suggested justice before, Mr. Bronson. Vigilantism. <laughs> Kink. Um, uh, yeah, also, <laughs> we have recently realized that we, like, we do think that uh, Mr. Bronson, we love him so much, but mm. might, have, uh, might have been a secret freak <laughs> all of his movies. Yeah. When you start to really, I mean, did you like, do you start to uh, looking at the canon films so deep? Do you feel not that you have to like point out what they are, but do you start to feel the kind of larger themes that come through some of the main actors uh, when you look at their work as a whole and like what they thought they were going for? Yeah, I do. I do start to see things. I think looking especially at Bronson, like listening to you guys' episodes this, this past month. I got me really thinking a lot about all these movies again because I hadn't really. I tried to when I was writing. I was trying to space out like I do a Bronson movie yeah. and then write about a bunch of other stuff, then another Bronson movie. Just to so this got me sort of looking at it a whole. But Bronson's canon period was interesting because I mean he was he was an old man. He was in his sixties. He had this sort of uh, the, he had his house in L.A., but he also had this beautiful, beautiful horse ranch out in Vermont where he spent most of his time. And he I think Cannon at the time for him was probably the next best thing to retirement being retired. Right. Because Cannon with Cannon, he could make a one movie a year. He would get his one and a half million dollars the day he showed up on set. He had. He he could have control over some or at least some say in 
who he worked with, what directors, with uh, Michael Winner and then Jay Lee getting so much work over and over again. You know, his wife could produce some of the movies. She would appear in some of them. But even on other films, I think his well, his stepson did some music in Murphy's Law. Um, <laughs> the the pothead guard is played by one of his stepsons in Ted to Midnight. <laughs> And so Jay he, Lee's son edits, right? Right, right. So, so it's, it's a real family affair. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And so it's something that you also have to keep in mind, too, that he had, that Jill was sick through yeah. a lot of this, very sick and getting sicker, especially when the later movies came on and uh, lots of trouble at home. But he's, he's somebody who f- probably, I mean, I don't think he wanted to be away from home that much to as to do like these movies in Italy or Germany or wherever he'd have to go to do to do most of his films. So with Canon it was it was a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh yeah. Bronson got to make movies his the movies he wanted at his pace and for the amount of money he asked for every Death Wish movie you could get more and more <laughs> cash wow. from them because they knew that he knew that they could sell them. Canon knew that they could sell them. But he also didn't have to be at home he could do, uh, he didn't have to be away be away from home he could shoot the movie shoot it at a cannon pace and then go ride his motorcycle around his horse ranch in vermont for, <laughs> for you know, horse feed costs a lot too like i mean he's got to pay for all those horses <laughs> i mean they, right. they don't eat cheap you know so you got to get in there yeah it's just that you always it's like watching it and when you watch it in the bird it's like it's just such an interesting thought of like is it just because, again, with Bronson, there's so much surprising kink and so much <laughs> like in like all of those, but specifically the canon movies. And you're yeah. like, mm-hmm. how much of it is that he just didn't give a fuck in that aspect? Like, it's like as long as it just wasn't so embarrassing. But even <laughs> that you're like, you mean like assaulting someone with mm-hmm. a dildo? That's um, like to the writers, like in the first draft, they're like, wouldn't it be funny if we put this right. in and make Bronson do it? And then he's like, all right, let's do this. And they're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he agreed to do it. Fuck. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. They just kept upping the ad to each movie. Yeah. And they're like, maybe we could see if he does this. That would be wild. That's fine by me. As long as I don't look like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, it was just like we said when we did so much Bronson and you don't you don't uh, acknowledge that that in comparison to uh, like Norris, like or it's like you go in these bursts and like Norris is like, well, it's not kinky. It's just alcoholism and and vague jingoism like but like in the like in it and and like we said, like Bronson is like more complicated like yeah love america but don't trust anyone (laughs) Mm -hmm. versus like you have norris is just like love america in like the vaguest reader's digest sort of way possible Mm -hmm. uh but there isn't any what i was gonna say there's not ptsd but there's not acknowledged ptsd in process it's just interesting yeah you like you wonder who is making the choice especially when it is a family affair like when it's him and Jill and Jay Lee and Jay Lee's son making questionable edits now and then. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you you can definitely. I I feel like you can sort of see themes. Uh, Chuck's an, Chuck Norris is somebody who I think uh, his films are little the 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 themes he wanted to portray on screen were much more on his sleeve, much more upfront. 
mm-hmm. and very um i mean v- very much is patriotic jingoistic <laughs> mm-hmm. uh way of looking at it but something that struck me as interesting uh and this was from an interview with sam Furstenberg not too long ago but looking at chuck Chuck had turned down the Avenging Force script, which is mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a sequel to Invasion, you say, and he had didn't want to do it. And it was kind of unclear why he didn't. Maybe something else instead. They put Dude Goff and James in there, reshaped it a bit, and it was great. Yes. But I Sam in this interview kind of implies that Chuck uh didn't care for the way the these so the, the 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 pentangle this like secret cabal of rich uh racists uh-huh. <laughs> were were doing like he didn't want to be in a movie that portrayed sort of like I maybe he I, like saw a little too eye to eye with some of the things that they were <laughs> sure. saying in those J- uh, john p ryan speeches right yeah. that are really kind of crazy and it's like he was really oh. confused he's like what's wrong in this speech what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> why, why is this guy the bad guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> this yeah, guy's I, got a lot of good points <laughs> yeah i think yeah i thought i was supposed to be against him uh yeah it is it, it, like as we've noticed it's just like molasses two by four I think if we dealt with him more so now, it would be a different story. But he is that weird, like, it is like, it's like the inoffensive pro-America. Like like we say, the Reader's Digest version, where you're just yeah. like, it's just that general, like, yeah, you just like your country, but like, we're not going to get too far into it. Like, it's just <laughs> you get a bad guy and you get a good guy versus... It is interesting that everyone realized, for whatever reason, that around Bronson it could actually just be like a little bit trickier in the end to even understand what they're saying mm-hmm. um, uh, and what the viewpoint is they're getting across. Like, I don't remember many, I mean, Norris most of the time we're like, no, I know what they're getting at. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, it you... just, yeah. Sorry. What are you going to say? No, I was going to say, excuse you interviewed uh, Sam Furstenberg, you said, Mm-hmm. So uh, were there any interviews that you tried to get that you didn't, that you were like, oh, that's a bummer? There are. There are. I've, I've usually, I cast a very wide net. I try to reach out to yeah. everyone I can. And there are people I never expected to, to get, like Norris for one. He doesn't talk about these movies. He's never done extra features or really looked back <laughs> at any of this stuff. So sadly, I I, I doubt I... He I hardly shows him. up in Expendables movies, and he's <laughs> in the movie. I mean, <laughs> right, right. He, um, but some of the ones that there were people who declined very politely. It was nice. I liked it when at least uh, Richard Chamberlain was one that I would have loved to have talked to him about King Solomon's Ooh. Mines and yeah. uh, Lost yes. in Gold. But just on a note, he's like, no, I think I've really said over the years all I have to say about those movies, but best of luck with the book, and I'll look forward to reading it. And so I'm like, okay, this is nice. Maybe 90-year-old right. Richard Chamberlain will actually pick up and <laughs> read this someday. I doubt it, but he was <laughs> right. very polite in the response. And there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of people I got polite no's from, and a lot of people I just didn't hear back from. But on the same, on the flip side, there were people that I never expected to hear back from, and were just just wonderful. I just I loved getting to talk. Yeah, to them. that's awesome. I could imagine you would fall. I'm just realizing that with Richard Chamberlain, and not to like speak from, but like you, it's not necessarily like 
I, I just, I would imagine that you would maybe encounter enough people that are like, it's not just because of canon, but it was just a difficult time, like in their lives. Like, mm-hmm. I, like yeah. even just thinking about Richard Chamberlain, it's possible that he was just like, uh, you know, the dealings I had to do with my like sexuality at that mm-hmm. point were like yeah. not great. Like, and right. that I had to like, kind of like, like, you know, find a way to essentially get my partner into the movie, but act like I was a straight mm-hmm. like sex symbol. Like, and it's like not about you and even about can it's just like, oh, it's just that time period. Like I've moved past dealing yeah. with that. Right. Um, Cause you know, it's 86, it's a heyday, but it's also maybe not the heyday for uh progressiveness. <laughs> yeah. Some, and I, I have to respect that too. There's, I, I won't, Someone I won't name here, but there was an actress who had gotten back to me and she'd gotten back and forth and was emailing a lot about talking about a film. And finally, she's like, I've been thinking about it a lot, but this is really a, a time I moved away from it. My experience with the like the in filmmaking then kind of squashed my dreams of acting. Yeah. And so it's just so that I again, I, I, I respect that this wasn't the there are so many people who had great times and that love their canon years and there are people that it was you know it chewed them up and spit them out and i yeah i have to respect that yeah the, the business is tough mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe even when you're going through the canon grist mill it might be yeah. a little tougher <laughs> for some people <laughs> mm-hmm. austin uh was there uh any did you learn anything from doing the first book that made you approach doing the second book a little different well, the second book was a lot easier to do interviews, at least to to secure people. Because when I was working on the first book, I would, people didn't really take it seriously, and I don't blame them. Right. I'm just some guy who <laughs> I say I'm writing a book, and you know, you they you don't have to give me your time. But once once I had the first book out there, and people could see it, and they could see some of the the, the press it got, and things like that. I my responses were a lot, lot better. I got I started hearing back from people that I'd written about, uh, written to for the first book and never heard back from, and finally would respond to my emails. So that was, that was something that was very helpful. But that was also, I guess, why a good reason why the book is so much thicker than the first one because right. there are so many more interviews. Because again, it, having the first one out there and being able to point to that made it much, much easier to convince people I was serious and show them what I was doing. It, I think too, yeah. a lot of people were afraid that I was just, I, that I was just here to make fun of the movies. There's so many. Right. And I, 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 even if a movie is bad, it's, it's bad for interesting ways. And it's rare that movies set, uh, that people set out to make bad movies. There are companies that do that. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. but Canon was not one, and usually, if a movie soured for some reason or something, they ran out of money. Or there, there's always interesting stories. If the movie came out and was a mess, people are willing then also to talk about that. They 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 can explain sort of what went wrong and like what they were dealing with. And a lot of people are you. You should be surprised that the movie turned out. As 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 well as as good as it did, if with what mm-hmm. we had to overcome to do it, so wow. it's, <laughs> um, but that was that was the the biggest difference, and just also <laughs> uh, having having more research materials. The I've been working on this project for 
going on seven years now almost wow and just you keep accumulating stuff and they keep mm-hmm. finding things and it's finding a, a resource i didn't have you know three or four years ago so it's it's nice to have that sort of access and to be able to include those things in 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 this book that's also why I, this is something that i keep learning more things about these movies as i go even now that these books are out so right. i'm grateful for social media because i can share i can keep talking i can keep posting things yeah. that i find as i go and there are there other will always fans. be someone who's <laughs> more intensive a fan than even we are who will oh, yeah. have more facts which is great like that's the best part mm-hmm. it does feed it's like even like looking at your book i'm like oh do do me and frank have to like record like quick addendums like to some <laughs> right because i revisit yeah because yeah, i'll like look at it and then be like oh that makes more sense yeah uh but because also i think like honestly and i think i said this in the uh, you know, when we talked about the volume one, like one of the reasons I gravitate towards it, and it's not just because it's canon and uh, why Frank gravitates towards them is, you know, you're you mentioned it there briefly, like your tone and viewpoint lives in the same world that we do, like where, you know, there are plenty of people who uh, watch things because they're bad. Like watch things be like enjoy watching bad movies and ironic viewing, and mm-hmm. it's and you know as we are always kind of reiterating and I think comes across in your book is that like no that's not the case with this like I think it's it's you know and 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 even for some people who probably even come to the podcast or come to the book are looking for that are looking for the like look at this fucked up movie versus. <laughs> No, there's something very interesting in hearing about this history and these movies that we generally love for all their flaws and also figuring mm-hmm. out why we love them yeah. on top of it. Because these are bigger uh, representations, much like, again, like I think punk and subcultures at the time. These are the representations of popular culture versus like me and Frank have mm-hmm. talked about when we look at the top 10 of each year, like when we cover it, you're like, that's like almost covering one section of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and it gives you a viewpoint of what's going on. And then you're like, and then there's a lot of the worlds, like, you know, yeah. giving their money to Death Wish for, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's like what you say, Jeff. Like, I agree with the fact that it's like in, in film school, they shouldn't just teach the, you know, Spielbergs and the Kubricks mm-hmm. and all that shit. It's like they need to go to, to uh, the lower tier of cinema as well, because that's yeah. mo- mostly what those students are going to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. like this is basically this is a company with money and this is what they were able to do. So it's right. like I think that's more important. I think we come from it from a being like, oh, this is fascinating and this is cool and we're interested in it because we know what it's like in this industry too to get anything done. And it's a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that process. And I think that that what people think are low rent kind of like movies or cinema, that's just as important as any of the big shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If not more so, because also it starts to be like analyzing like, well, why then have I watched Invasion USA 20 times <laughs> and I've only watched this like good film, quote unquote, like once. Yeah. And like kind of went back that never went back to it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it, it, it I, and so, yeah, I think that, that again, like I often am uh, pleasantly surprised when I read your chapters and I'm like, great. Austin has the same take we do. Like, you know, like, it's not like we're always going to see like eye to eye, but 
that's just like you're you're coming at it with the same uh, 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 appreciation and lens, which I think is just so important at looking at these things in this way. Um, that's just blowing smoke up your butt, Austin. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but uh, that ends now. It. Speaking of which, uh, explain yourself of not seeing eye to eye. Why do you like American Ninja 4 better than American Ninja 3? Oh, boy. <laughs> American Ninja 4 versus American Ninja 3. I mean, 4 is you do lose Steve James, which is yeah. the <laughs> the huge tragedy. But I I do enjoy that David Bradley really gets some opportunity to show off some of his martial arts in it. Um, it's a better showcase for him. It was also a movie that I get the impression that the the South African wing of Canon at that point, if it, what you what you want to call them, had a little bit more room to sort of just do their own thing. They weren't trying to shove certain number of action scenes into it, um, and it, it it brings Dudikoff back in. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. America, yeah, that was nice. It's, I it's it's tougher for me to do the four versus three in American Ninja because yeah, they they are so close. I. I enjoy Death Wish 4 a lot more than Death Wish 3. That's if I were to compare those oh. two, that would be ah, that would be I one that. I would I that's one I can argue. Uh it's easier for me to argue <laughs> that one and that's something that I can usually find people cuz the there there are the Death Wish 3 fans and Sure. <laughs> again, I mean we are two of them, but also yeah. Yeah. now <laughs> we have uh, I think we both realized like we've seen Death Wish three a lot, and then watching it recently for our episode is like, oh wait, have I ever watched it at all? <laughs> like, is this the one I was like, no, now we're just too far beyond the payoff wait, for me to even want it. Four, four. When mm -hmm. we got to four, I wasn't sure if I'd ever even yeah. seen it. Versus mm -hmm. three, I knew you and I had already watched it right a couple times before we even covered it. Versus, I don't think, I, and now I'm like, I, you know, I'm glad, like the same, we left four being like, oh, I guess I'm going to watch that again. Like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more going on in the whole storyline of uh, the bookends of this depressing series. <laughs> We're going to be doing five pretty soon. Once yeah. Noah gets his schedule opens up, yeah. Not to, like, I, something, again, because I was listening to your episodes that just, I, as of when we are recording, were just a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. but on Death Wish 4, that's something that i what well, as i was listening to i was excited to talk to you guys about because the endings of that movie changed so much and i okay. i posted a little bit on twitter about how originally john p ryan's character got gets killed in like multiple ways like there's the, the original script <laughs> okay yeah he's shoving the cocaine down his throat then the next script the Bronson's dumping bags of cocaine through like a bathroom fan. He's like choking <laughs> in a cloud of cocaine. And then finally they're just like, let's just blow him up with a rocket launcher yeah. in a parking lot. But something else that they changed is what happens with the, his love, his love interest in it, who in the movie just gets shot. Like she shot like 30 seconds before. Yeah. I was going to say not just get shot. Austin. like, I mean like <laughs> bloodily shot and both me and Frank had turned our head for one second and then she was dead hard but you so, know <laughs> in the first uh in the the first script i i had well the first like synopsis i have it ends she survives she does everything except for like the actual film when they shot it so which makes me think that they're just like 
we don't want to have to film these extra scenes to like show what happens. Let's just shoot her here, like very graphically. But and she survives in every other version I've I've read or seen. One of them, she is like the very typical like if any if anyone survives a Death Wish movie, like and they know what Paul Kersey does, like she she breaks up with him. It's like him in a park bench sitting with her and she's dumping him. And then he just like goes off to be, cause he can't not be Paul Kersey. Yeah. I love that. But there's a better version. There's an Ooh, even better version where she survives. She, it ends with him killing the bad guy and he's getting on a plane to go back. He's going to back to San Francisco at this point, but they're saying goodbye in the airport. And that was a very romantic kiss. And she's saying she still loves him. And he's like, even if you know what, I, you know, even though now you know what I've done. And she's like, yeah, maybe I'll come visit you in San Francisco sometime and we'll go hunting together. So she <laughs> sort of joins him. Like it implies wow. that she's going to become his sidekick. But it ends with him getting on the plane. And while he's walking down the, the ramp to get on the plane, he turns around and gives him as as. Frank says that little Bronson smile and then a finger gun, just really the same one from the first, the same smile and the finger and like shoots her. And then it would end on that freeze frame. So that's, wow. that's the ending of death wish for amazing. That would have very that, much changed the franchise. Yes. Uh, and that feels like more of a triumphant, like that music that's at the end of four would have made more sense as a triumphant bookmark <laughs> or book ends. Because like, even like, I love that bench one, but that's like death wish meets ordinary people. That's right. like freaking <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore can't change from being mm. cold from the death of her son. And I love that in a different movie or if this movie embraced what it kind of, uh, thinks it isn't, but ends up being because, as we said, that ending is so depressing and it's such mm -hmm. a no country for old men. Yeah. <laughs> Do what you gotta. I have a yeah. pitch. Yeah, I have a pitch. Of course. So it combi It has that 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 ending you just talked about, Austin. But Kersey's about to get on the plane. A terrorist comes out of nowhere and takes Bronson hostage. And says like, "Nobody move, or he gets it." And all of a sudden, the terrorist gets shot in the head. And then Bronson's like, what just happened? And then he looks up and he sees his girlfriend. And she's got a oh. smoking gun. Oh. And she's like, room for one more on the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does his little smirk, freeze frame, credits roll. That is oh. amazing. <laughs> I love I'll it. tell you where my brain went was uh, he gets out the plane, terrorist comes, bullet goes through the head. And then all of a sudden he goes, what was that? And you hear, bam, bam, bam. And oh, Delta yes. Force comes flying in. Oh my God. We need to have our multiverse of madness yes. of canon. Yes. Uh, I mean, Expendables should have been through together. canon, and it would have been the Expendables canon cinematic universe. Hell yeah. Oh, I, I for a second, I, I Frank, I was think I thought you were going to say Nancy Reagan showed up. I, I realized yes. I was confusing assassination and Death Wish for merging. No, she at that shows point. up late. She shows up late. She's like, "Did I miss anything?" <laughs> I was getting and then jelly they both beans. Finger gun at him. <laughs> That's what she called him, Reagan. I yes. <laughs> My husband Reagan. <laughs> yeah, and he's in the back. Well, well. <laughs> oh man, I love it so much. Uh, Austin, are there 
so you know, our uh, you cover a lot of amazing movies uh, in this era, especially in this one. Like, are there are there uh, to bring it to us? Like, are there ones that we we gotta cover? Like sooner rather than later. You did such a good job with recommending yeah. for your episode. Tough guys don't dance. So like, yeah. What what is an essential that we haven't covered yet that we need to? Oh boy. Well, I I you I I I know you've mentioned at several points in in past episodes the that you have a list of so many movies and I didn't see I I I'd missed that Patreon thread and I would have sent you another 100 movies there that <laughs> yeah to as, as must cover, but Gosh, I'm sure we'll throw that up on the Patreon as a post again because we forgot to write down <laughs> yeah, we or need something to, yeah. what they told us. <laughs> but oh man, some uh, there are some really kind of fun movies, and I, I'm trying to think of ones that kind of balance the ones that I'm very excited for you guys to talk about <laughs> versus the ones that would get better listens, <laughs> better numbers, because I know that those don't always. A line. <laughs> no, they do not. And by the way, check out our archive. We have lots of movies like doing time on planet Earth that you should check out. <laughs> oh, but I know some of the ones I'm most eager, like the is too much or the uh, too much the robot with a heart. Yeah, is oh. a. It's probably it's, it'll probably do slightly less numbers than whatever Aladdin did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's just a it's just a movie that's crazy, crazy, nutty canon children's movie shot by a porno like a basically a porno producer like <laughs> guy the, the guy who's associated with the story of oh movies shooting canon's oh, only nice. movie shot in japan the, how many ninja movies they made it's the only time they wow. ever shot in japan was too much <laughs> robot with a heart um a movie i love uh maria's lovers i think that one's very similar to tough guys don't dance in terms of whatever impression you have from trailers or posters or anything, it's, it's much crazier, much weirder than <laughs> you can really be prepped for. It's, it's, it, it, it looks like it's just purely a prestige picture, but it's got some really kind of wacky, very Canon stuff going on in it. Um, gosh, Who directed Maria's Lovers? That was Andre Konchalovsky's first movie oh, before right. Runaway Train. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of him, I you guys have I haven't covered it yet. That's an '88, but uh, Shy People just um, that's Konchalovsky's <laughs> last canon movie, but only because it's the only Tangerine Dream soundtrack that canon. Oh well, did. yeah. I mean, so, please, yes. Come on. It, again, I this I, is I, also I, again <laughs> should serve as a reminder to people listen to our Runaway Train episode. Not as many people excited about Runaway Train as you would think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, but again, these are all ones that are mm, not the best known canon movies. Fifty two pickup. I know you guys are. It's, it's on uh, the yeah. year list. That's yeah, one that is. is. I can't wait for you guys to talk about. Oh gosh, Grace Quigley is a nutty, nutty weird one. Again, it's uh, Catherine Hepburn, a project she'd been trying to make for years about <laughs> a little old lady that goes into business with a hitman played by Nick Nolte about who Dream. just basically euthanizing all these miserable old people in New York. <laughs> and it's, it's a movie that is supposedly a comedy, but it does not play like one. <laughs> it was not edited like one. It's, it's, it's very interesting in that way, but Oh gosh. Yeah. The, I, I love that they're, 
I think I can't remember what number you said, the 30 or 40 movies or something that were on the list from the Patreon thread. And yeah. everyone subscribe to subscribe to the Patreon. I'll say it now because we oh, need you to you. get through. There's at least a hundred Canon movies oh, that <laughs> are Canon related just... movies that I need you guys to cover. Yes. <laughs> we need trying. to do, cause we've been trying to think of uh, like kind of theme months, you know, mm-hmm. as we just did Bronson don't like mayonnaise mm-hmm. uh, for May. And we got we got one planned for July that we're not going to reveal just yet. Uh, because it'll be we're fun. the Canon Bros, and we might not do it. Who knows? Yeah, we have to make sure that we got everything in in line. But for August, we should do uh, Austin's August picks. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> nice little cross promotion for your book there. Oh. I would definitely do an Austin's August picks. Yeah, buddy, would, that's I this. I would love to do that. Yes, this is a plan. I think you might be governing what we do in August. Oh, Absolutely, man, that yeah. would be incredible. That would be incredible. I love, I love listening to the show. I, I've, I've told this. I've, I've talked. I think Jeff a little bit over DMs, but. I, I try to make excuses or find errands or save errands all for my Saturday mornings <laughs> because it's a show that like I'm with my kids all day and it's hard to right. it's hard oh, to yeah, listen yeah. to the Canon Canon with my uh, three year old and six year old uh, <laughs> also At least listening one of us swears like a sailor on leave and doesn't even realize he's fucking doing it yeah so I apologize no for that. no no it's okay it gives me an excuse though it's like oh I, you know do I need to go get mulch on a Saturday morning do I need to like honey like what are we learning low on I'll go get groceries just to get that time to like I'll go get everything done for my wife so I can listen to the canon canon as I'm driving Austin around. I'm gonna give you a tip you gotta get genetic hearing loss so that means you get hearing aids that have bluetooth and that means when you're just randomly walking oh. around your backyard, you can listen to 10 minute bursts of a podcast and nobody knows. <laughs> or if you're sitting on the couch with your family, I had to get to the point where my wife was like, you got to stop doing that. I keep talking to you and you're not paying attention. To me. Oh, it drives my wife crazy because I'm always whenever I'm doing stuff around the house and I'll have like one Bluetooth Head, one, earphone yeah. Yeah, or a headphone in and she's like, Frank, Frank. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like, Don't get annoyed with me. <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, people, okay. you hear you heard it here first. This is Austin. Austin's getting August. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. So, so start, start thinking, thinking now, through, Austin. Bucko. Ooh. <laughs> and then you have an excuse to listen to these episodes because you're like, wife, and I picked these. It's them. like. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you call your wife, right? That's what I call my wife. I just go wife. You say wife. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she was listening to the one of the the tough guys don't dance episode with me. We had that playing and the kids out of the house, and I think after about a hundred minutes in, she's like, "How long do you talk about this movie?" <laughs> like, there's, I think another half hour to go, and she's like, "How long is the movie? We watched it like a few nights ago." I'm like, "It would have yep. been over by now. It's been long over." <laughs> Look, there we got no... a Judd Apatow syndrome with our episodes. Look, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a hey, long in the tooth. <laughs> even if there are tangents in the canon movies, they ain't tangents. Like a canon bro can go on a tangent. So. Just like I realized the fact that our Johnny Mnemonic episode that we just released for the could have been a canon, we spent a good chunk talking about bat, uh, the new Batman movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, FYI, uh, in upcoming episode, there's going to be about 20 minutes of spoilers for the movie Old. Oh, right, uh, right. That I just start going off on about <laughs> because I just happened to watch Old. And what movie did I tie it to? 
Was American, it spookies? No, spookies. Yes, yeah, spookies Ooh, right. and olds are in the same category of movie to <laughs> yeah, me. We finally so, did it, by the way. Yeah, we it's, finally uh, did Patreon, it. Yep. Spookies is out in the world. Um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, do we have any last questions for Austin before we can let him enjoy his day? Uh, he's there... not a... Yeah, I know he's enjoying his day with us right now. <laughs> but, yeah, he could be enjoying it more. Yes. Um, <laughs> is there anything recently that you've watched that kind of gave you a feeling of like how you, when you watch Canon, that kind of like fun, it's like not necessarily a great movie, but it's like, Oh, this is so cool. This is really, this is a fun movie to watch. I'm enjoying this. Has there been anything recently? It doesn't even have to be a new movie, but kind of new to you or even something that's out recently that you're like, Oh, this was fun. Well, I, not too long ago, this is not a, not a new movie at, at all, but I, finally watched champagne and bullets aka get even um just this crazy crazy action movie um wingshauser is it he's very drunk (laughs) throughout the entire thing (laughs) but that's that's a movie that i think vinegar syndrome released it a few like a year ago and it got a lot of attention that was one of the most most fun i've had watching a movie that was totally new to me but aka road to revenge yes yes. as well (laughs) yeah interesting (laughs) many titles many different cuts uh yeah but it's just a yeah it's one of these movies that's a great example of financed by the guy who's starring in it who is definitely not an actor and i think (laughs) just wrote this movie so that he could do sex scenes with us his his leading lady (laughs) oh wow it's you get that feel uh had enough money to get the Tommy Wiseau effect. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those movies that was just it's wildly fun. It's not a good movie, but it's entertaining. So, and that's the thing. Yeah. If, if a movie entertains you, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Truly. And uh yeah. It did its job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now I'm just remembering cuz you said Wings Hauser. Mm. I've been meaning to revisit Vice Squad. Oh, oh, recently. He's so good. I haven't watched that. that in years. And that was one where, like, I had a friend in Brooklyn who, like, would always, like, in retrospect, I was like, oh, he somehow knew me. And I would only be, like, in a casual acquaintance with him, but he would, like, give me suggestions for things. And I was like, you get me. Like, he was the first person who was like, you should listen to my friend's band, Zombie. Mm-hmm. Like, before I was friends with Zombie, before we went on tour, because he's like, you listen to horror movie soundtracks all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that he was, like, selling records before he moved and then like i bought one record and he's like yeah you should also take this dvd this is for you and it was like vice squad mm-hmm. <laughs> and i remember watching it be like yeah he wasn't wrong um i don't think i've watched it since then but i think that's probably a could have been a canon <laughs> absolutely that movie's wild and, and wings is so good in it so so good you have an interview with wings in the book right am i wrong on that? yes that was yes. one of the ones that was definitely a dream i never thought i didn't think it would happen and sure when when i got the email back like yeah let's do it like call this number and that move that that interview is one of there there are some crazy interviews in here some crazy stories but that's one of the wildest because wingshauser he i mean he he just casually drops like a quick anecdote about him meeting charles manson when he was a kid holy crap <laughs> he talks about this crazy visit to uh john milius's house um oh wow which was a nightmare and how he got his name he, he he got kicked out of pushed out of doing an uncommon value with him because he 
had been sleeping with uh john milius's like best friends like girlfriend uh he talks about <sighs> bob denver he was neighbors with bob denver as a kid from gilligan's island and not being able to see bob denver like going to his house because of the clouds of marijuana smoke and Bob Denver wow. had a cheetah run next to him and a, a chimpanzee that would chase his sisters around when they were on their periods. And <laughs> oh it's the God. craziest, most free will. It's, it's, that's an interview in the book that I am just so thrilled to have. And it was just one of the most joyous evenings of my life is just sitting on the phone, listening to Wingshauser talk about anything and everything he wanted to talk about at the time. Yeah. Amazing. You know, <laughs> I have to say, and this is like, I'm going to do a little, you get a little uh, classic Cannon Bros tangent. Uh, action. <laughs> I did not realize it till literally just this second because I was looking at Vice Squad and then I was like, oh, the first thing I think I really knew him from or associate him with is that I forgot he was in Roseanne <laughs> for five episodes. He, he was? plays the neighbor and he's got the two daughters. Like, and it was only five episodes, but like, he, yeah, he like, he, yeah, it was in season uh, after season five. And they don't explain apparently why he disappears, but like that's the wings I can picture first, weirdly. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> like when you see the photo, you'll be like, oh, right, he had the two daughters, and one of them maybe was drinking or there's some sort. And now you're also like, oh, what like friendship did Roseanne have with Wings Hauser? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to get him in this crazy fucking setup. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I, that's such. I am, you know, that's the nice part. It's so, it, it, with your book too, it's like I both like don't want to burn through it because the information will just kind of wash over you a little bit too much. Yeah. But I also like have so many that I'm like looking forward to being like, oh yeah, Austin, talk to Wings. <laughs> I got to read this tough guys, tough guys don't dance chapter when I have like my brain is not like, you know, completely mush because I got to <laughs> take this in because it's amazing. It's amazing that you got these people uh, uh, and and the interviews so far have been awesome. That's a, like a Thank super you. fun part. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and most of them so far seem like they're very forthcoming. Um, I'm sure there were one or two that seemed a little less forthcoming and I can maybe read that in some of the editing, but, um. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you read closely, you'll see some people, yeah. are... <laughs> uh, some people just have mm, shorter answers to things. So mm -hmm. <laughs> they're a little yes, no, in their interview style. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's amazing how much time, uh, uh, you got out of these people who are like these weird little gods to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed too. I, that's some of the as I mean, it's hard to separate the just the fan in me at, at some points and getting to talk yeah. to some of these people is just so so exciting. Yeah, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, we talked about it a little bit. But what can we expect from Volume Three? By the way, we were kind of surprised by the drop because we were expecting uh, Volume Two to come out maybe later in the year or yeah. next year. So I know time means nothing it, we in were the like, pandemic. Whoa. We were like, all hands on yeah. deck, let's retweet. Let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what can we, whatever you're comfortable giving up, but uh, what can we expect out of volume three? And is that where it ends or uh, what, what are your plans? Well, just real quick about two, the, the release came quickly when the publisher said it was ready. It's like, want to set a release date and, I set the re I set a release date for the first book and then watched a global pandemic happen. <laughs> right. So he's like, we could release it now, basically. And then 
my thought was yes like who knows what is going to happen who knows if there's going to be paper shortages and things like that so right um I didn't want to, <laughs> when he said it was ready and we could use it now, it's like, why not? Let's do it. Let's right. see if, if, yeah. if we can put it out. But yeah, three, three is a ways off. Three, uh, <laughs> I I had been writing to, I had been working on the second one before I even had sought out a publisher for the first. So I kind of mm-hmm. came into it with a running start and large chunk. Some of my, some of the really big chapters were already written by the t- years ago. <laughs> And three, I have much less of that that done. Uh, I have I have more work. I'll say that I have a lot more work to do on three. Three for canon is eighty eight onwards. You get into it's kind of the dark years for for yeah. canon. The straight to video years. The uh, yeah. The years where you only saw this movie if you had Showtime or the Movie Channel or something. HBO at those times because they did not really play in theaters outside of like a few contractually obligated screenings for a lot of them. But also included in those dark years are the, the breakup of the golden Globus breakup, which I mean, anyone who's fans of Canon knows is coming. They know that there was that split that led to the great Lombada wars of 1990 but we all had to pick sides you know (laughs) it's heartbreaking to know that that happened um and this sort of like i don't know to me like they're it's it's kind of like watching your parents split up when you're doing this research project it's really kind of hard for me to like get through that stuff because they didn't speak for years and years and years after that but that's that's covered in there but it's not all dark. It's not all these like direct video or like very, very cheap sequels that they were like pumping out. There's there's bright spots. You get the rise of Van Damme and yeah. the I mean the fantastic bungling of <laughs> the the star that could have kept them alive. Yeah. Um you get you get some fun movies in there. There's you know, there's even the ones that were mostly known for their video releases, you do get a lot of a lot of highlights. Um what one thing that I'm really excited about beyond covering some of the ones I do like in there that I really do like is the section that is where I do look into the canceled or abandoned Canon projects. It's been for me so much fun to research because I've been collecting these things for years now and I've got, you know, 10 different Dudikoff movies that were never made, but they had oh, Dudikoff, man. like, and did a photo shoot for them, and, like, wow. Chuck Norris movies, some great Chuck Norris movies that never, never came to be, that just look, look fantastic. Pinocchio <laughs> the Robot, Toby Hooper, and uh, Chuck, Chuck Norris uh, versus the Gollum, which would have had <laughs> Chuck Norris, uh, not Chuck Norris, not, uh, Charles Bronson versus the Gollum, which would have had him as like a homicide detective, like investigating murders that are enacted by what would have been a claymation, like stop motion monster that came up Holy through like people's fuck. drains and murdered them. Like basically like, oh my God. basically this monster. Yeah, this it would have been wild. They even like did, Canon couldn't afford that. Like, that's how that project happened right. they, did the, they did the test of the this awesome like almost t2 like killer wow. that yeah. bronson would have been hunting down and they're just like this is too expensive like forget that like <laughs> was there a script for that 
I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I want to write that script. Yeah, <laughs> there was a poster. There was a poster. So oh, of course. amazing. <laughs> there were ads for it, and there was an advertisement for it in the back of the Cyborg comic book, which nice. <laughs> wow. The official Canon Comics uh, Cyborg. Uh, Wait, who put out the Cyborg comic? Canon did. Oh, they put it out oh. in their own. Oh my god! Yes, yes, it was a promotion to video That's the thing. That's that what we said. It. You think you're not going to be shocked by them, and I'll but be then... shocked when I'm like, oh, they did have a record label. <laughs> oh, they did fucking have their own comic label. Crazy. Yeah. Wait, do we know the art? Who did the art and stuff for it? Anyone of note? Anybody who's listening, uh, watch watch our Twitter feeds for the the Canon 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 Film Guide because I'd I'd have to dig for it right now. Yeah. But no, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, no one, no no one of Rob Alifield. <laughs> it looked crazy. Yeah. If only. Yeah. Weirdly, JCVD's legs are small. <laughs> Doesn't Why, make any sense. He has like two thousand pockets on his uh <laughs> on his like cut off shorts. It's, uh... it's just the cover of Spider Man One. <laughs> Just like Cyborg is the Spider-Man set, or what is that? Oh, no, it's Master of the Universe? Yeah. Is Cyborg Master of the Universe setups or Spider-Man? That and the Spider-Man, right? And Spider-Man, yes. It's the merge, Mm -hmm. right, of shit that they use over it. Yeah, perfect. This has just been the most fun for me that I've had working on this in in a while, because I'm I'm reaching out and talking to people who worked on these movies that are helping me put together what they would have looked like. And that's fun. It, It is weird. I feel like I, I live in a weird universe where I'm able to, what I'm doing for writing now is getting to talk to people about canon movies they didn't make. <laughs> right. That's awesome. So it's, This it's is your Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah. <laughs> like piecing it all together in the craziest way possible. Uh... Because, I mean, honestly, they're, like just thinking about as we're talking, like volume three, I know you've got a ways to go, but uh, it's it, it truly is like the great unknown like it's like because it's just no matter what like if anyone has done coverage on canon it's generally on this era like Mm. you know volume two stuff like just like in just like a handful of those movies like and you're like yeah canon they did four movies and these are the ones we're going to talk about it's like classic rock playing like all of black sabbath you're like you think they only have three songs uh (laughs) but there is so much that it happens post the fall of canon is still so jam-packed and as you said the concepts alone i i can't uh, my mind is swimming picturing these fake movies that are going to get pieced together Ugh, it's a dream you're a dream weaver austin please oh yes i'm I'm having so much fun i couldn't ask for better subject matter yeah but i i think your number one goal austin is to find me rally around the moon uh so i can finally have the full song exterminator 2 oh i've tried i've actually looked i've tried (laughs) we go off for again a cannon burst tangent how annoying it is on our last steps i think on american ninja 4 4 yes how there it's a frustrating that there's all these reissue labels but they don't ever really do action like it's only horror like it's just like horror and sci-fi and if it's any fucking tiny horror movie They'll redo that, but there's so many. Like the fact that, as far as I can tell, there's only that one German CD of mm. American ninjas and other <laughs> songs 
but there's like so many that last song in American Ninja Four, your favorite in the franchise, uh, is I wouldn't a, go that a great song. <laughs> uh, pull quote: Austin's favorite uh, oh, canon movie is American Ninja Four: he's The Annihilation. A t-shirt, a hat, and a jacket. Say <laughs> American Ninja Four. And weirdly, we can't read any of them because it's American Ninja <laughs> Four: The, the Annihilation, yeah. and the layering of the fucking <laughs> shitty Photoshop is so strong. You're like, what does that make out to me? Um, uh, but yeah, that last song is such a good like training montage like cobra the cobra like you know yeah. angel in yeah. the city fucking fight song fire with fire right fight, yeah like yeah. it sounds like fight fire with fire or sounds like uh, show me the fever into the fire from wet hot american <laughs> summer yeah and it kills us that it's does it's just not there like i you know and again we're using this episode as well to say somebody started gofundme and fuck we'll bring in austin into this this is going to be the canon <laughs> bros guide record label but you all have to fund it because it's so <laughs> shitty to run a label it's a bad idea don't do it <laughs> uh yeah i mean so austin thank you yeah. so much for wow. talking to us anytime uh, uh, thank you guys yeah i mean you're you're getting you're getting august uh we're most likely gonna have you on as a guest anyways uh for something oh, maybe I'm even excited. in august uh but uh everyone uh you gotta go pick up Canon Film Guide, Volume Two, nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty seven, and the first one. Yeah, they, they would you prefer that they pick that up for from. Oh gosh, right now, I mean, you can get it direct from the publisher. It's kind of slow, unfortunately, coming through there, but it's um, that's a great place. Through through Amazon's the fastest place, so it's 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 up to you. If you have a local bookstore, you can order it. That's probably the best, great. yeah, <laughs> best way to support those local bookstores. But to be honest. Anywhere you get it, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Go to uh, Romans in California, or at least Southern California, or Pasadena. That's where I say you <laughs> should go. I do like to go in and like check what stores have it, and then like be that. Like sometimes every once in a while, I'll also do that weird move where I'll be like, "Do you have this?" And they're like, "No, I don't want it. I just want to know if you have it." And then it gets yeah. them in their heads, man. Then they think they got to order it. <laughs> That's how we get people to fucking get this shit going. I do it with my own <laughs> books, too. <laughs> you don't need to tell anyone. Um, but, uh, yeah, truly, everyone, you, if you if you are listening to this and you don't have it, what is wrong with you? Like, get your life together and get this book. That is what you should have on your library. Burn all other books. They're all pointless oh, now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, but truly, it does. And it also, I got to say, looks so impressive when you put it next to the other one. You're like, wow, so much oh, of my yeah. shelf is taken up with canon. We're going to have an Encyclopedia Britannica level uh, <laughs> bookshelf with this stuff. When I have Canon Film Guide 1 and then Volume 2 and then Stories from the Trenches all sitting next to mm. each other, I look like a true sociopath. <laughs> it's <is> beautiful. <laughs> Uh, but again, Austin, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, uh, and yeah, and again, where can people find you beyond getting the book? Uh, I am at Canon Film Guide on Twitter and Facebook. And I, yeah, I, I keep, po I'm posting about Canon there every day. Stuff, stuff that I find and stuff from my archives. Exactly. You'll often see us back and forth in each other mm -hmm. <laughs> in the most fun way, but the only fun I have on Twitter in some ways, uh, <laughs> But uh, again, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, people, uh, thank you uh, for listening. And thank you for supporting both Austin and us. Uh, and Frank, where can people find us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Canon Canon. The second Canon is one N. 
And of course, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the canon canon. Uh, you get early could have been a canon episodes. You get soundtrack corner videos. You get commentary episodes. Gonna eventually get that Mandum video that I'm staring at my <laughs> bottle of Mandum right now. But again, we're the canon bros. Life happens, people. Yeah. And go to T Public and grab those canon canon official shirts. Mm-hmm. Austin's wearing it <laughs> right nice. now because he's the yeah. best. Uh, but until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. This is The, the Canon. Canon. Buy Austin's book. Buy Austin's book. Buy Austin's book.